So, Kirsten. So, Jay. Stage, theater, and musicals. Oh, God. <laughs> you know them well. Uh, I, I uh, feel like r- right off the bat, well, okay. In, in the year of our Lord, uh, 1991, okay. a, a, a small theater company that uh, had some ties to, not Broadway, but an off-Broadway house somewhere in New York City that was just big enough that it wound up eventually moving to an extremely brief Broadway production, um, got their hands on a little license. And it's a little license that, of course, uh, we <sighs> talk about a lot on this podcast because it is the Marmoset Chronicles. And that license, they took and... In the mid-90s, it took them a while to, like, hash the details out. By the mid-90s, they had put together a show. Now, stage musicals are often a place where some IPs go to die, or in some recent years, find an unexpected new life. You never really know. But, uh, which one did the Marmoset Chronicles fall into? Who's to say? Well, we are. For today, Kirsten, it is time to talk about Obscurus Memorandus, the Marmoset Chronicles musical. Why are you doing this to me? Welcome to the Marmoset Chronicles, a personal retrospective. I am your host, Jay, and I am joined as always by my other host, Kirsten. How Hi. are you, Kirsten? Hi, Jay. I- I'm doing really, really solid, uh, and now I need to talk about this musical. <laughs> Listen, we you reach a certain point, you have to start reaching a little further for Marmoset Chronicles-related media to critique. See, it's not even like, oh, like this is a reach. It's more like, oh, I was ignoring this on purpose. <laughs> uh, Kirsten, Kirsten, I would like, I would like to uh, immediately hit you with just one fact that sure. I that I find funny. Maybe some of our listeners will find funny. Will probably mean nothing to you. The director of this musical was a man named Chris Mitchell, which is a nice generic name. Doesn't seem to have a social Mm -hmm. media presence. I looked out of curiosity earlier. Now, Chris Mm -hmm. Mitchell, uh, I'm sure did other things, doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, but is mentioned on another Wikipedia page. And that Wikipedia page was the page for a musical that in 2000, he was the stage man, the production stage manager of. And the name of that musical is Pokemon Gotta Catch Em Live. That's right. In a way, the Marmoset Chronicles musical is a precursor to the 2000 Pokemon stage musical. Welcome to my hell dimension, Kirsten. I'm right there with you, Jay. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, uh, I get, Jay, do you like musicals? You know, I, I like some. To be honest, there's a lot. I, I, I like... What I'm told is a more operatic kind of musical where the music is actually used in, like, the advancement of the plot. I I am sort of middle of the road on Hamilton, but I think Hamilton is pretty gripping as one of those. I think that Mm -hmm. director's previous one in The Heights is also really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You know, stuff where the music doesn't feel like it's pausing everything. Yeah. Uh, I do not seek musicals out, though, really, no. Okay. I love Sondheim. I do like Sondheim a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to like about Sondheim. To give... You, I don't know if you know this, and uh, mm. all the listeners, my background in about uh, regarding musicals is mm. um, I almost went to school for musical theater. Oh, I did know this, I think. Yeah, it hasn't come uh, up in a while. But yeah. I was an all-state alto and was going to go to, to school for musical theater. The late-in-life realization that I kind of dislike most musicals... Really, really, really validated the life choice to not be a musical theater major. Yeah, I bet it did. 
But I have, I've been in many shows, I've listened to many shows, I've seen a good amount of shows, though not many professional productions despite how close I live to NYC. The theater community is a fascinating little microcosm. It is, for sure. And you're absolutely right when you say that produced musicals is where some things go to die. Yeah. I, to, to, to briefly also give mine, like, I, I, I never really thought, oh, I want to act for a living, but I was in some, like, theater stuff when I was young. When I was 13, I was in a, a shitty Alice in Wonderland musical of some kind where I played a knight, and one night on stage, my mic box fell out of my costume and swung around, and I had to improv about why that was happening, and it was one of my finest moments on stage. Very nice. I, I was also in Footloose as a background character with three lines. And then I was in Into the Woods as one of Cinderella's birds, which was genuinely a fun performance. Nice. No, Into the Woods is a great musical. I really like Into the Woods. Uh, there are, I love Into the Woods. There are some musicals that I like. Uh, sure. I just, yeah. on a whole, am not really about them. Uh, yeah. It's fascinating because, like, l- l- like you mentioned, I said at the top, like, some things go to die at musical point at point musical and other things kind of get reborn like there's that spongebob musical that came out last year that people keep saying is like really good (laughs) you never really know which way is something is gonna fall there because no matter what it is it's still very talented musicians taking that ip and doing something with it well did you know that they they made a frankenstein musical which i was excited about for like three seconds because i was like wow they made my favorite book into a musical it's terrible uh, they they made there was like this one this long stretch of the early and mid 2000s where they made like every semi known gothic novel into a uh musical and all of them did nothing they made Jekyll and Hyde a musical they made Wuthering Heights a musical uh huh. there is a Shrek musical to yep. the chagrin of many there is uh one one that I just recently found out is actually like fairly well produced is the Green Day American Idiot musical. Oh, yeah. That that one's a lot of the a lot of the, like jukebox musicals are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that yeah, that that one like that that's oh, our concept is a concept album. We're going to draw characters out of the themes of that and build a story yeah. from that. I I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, that's that's that kind of stuff always is usually successful. But yeah, the the Marmoset Chronicles is kind of a weird one to do yeah especially in this kind of straight ver- like like a it's a straight adaptation of uh the movie isn't it it's a straight adaptation of the first one yeah yeah with you know some little liberties and some things changed to work better on stage here and there but yeah yeah overarchingly that's what it is you know you have georgie's sister having a weird song about like, all the little details of the town she lives in and how much she loves them, and it's like... Then that uh, gets a refrain at the point at the end of the first act where she's killed. Hey, hey Jay. Uh, yeah. Fun fact. Mm. I sang that song in a recital. <laughs> that rules. How'd you do? Uh, I did alright. Um, I was really excited because this song was, like, in my range, and I got to, like... Be dramatic with it. Yeah, no, I totally sang this at a uh, a recital that my vocal teacher put on for all of her students. Oh my god, that's incredible. I was I was about 14, 15. I was pretty young, but yeah, I I, I that that's probably the best song in the musical, honestly. For yeah. Me. They do this thing for a lot of the songs I noticed where uh, it's just like 
we don't really know what to do with this song, so we're just gonna have this character recite the plot in the song. Da 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 kind of. <laughs> right. Here's the thing about this musical is, like you just said, I think kind of to your point with that, the music is sometimes a little flat. What I do like about it, and I'll say right now, it does an interesting thing where you have Gene and you have Paul. I had to remember Paul Harris's name for a second. Mm-hmm. It's been so long. It has been so long. Um, you, you have Gene and you have Paul. And what they do... I think this is like an interesting narrative idea, at least, is they will have in scenes in the first act and then a little bit of the second act, when one is in a scene that the other is not in, they will have the other in the corner, like an MC narrating it, bits of yeah. it. Oh, and they put Gene in it, which is super interesting. Yeah, yeah, they put Gene in there too, which like, that makes sense to me. Like, you know, he's kind of the next biggest touchstone character for people, so I kind of oh, yeah. get that. Um, no, I think, it makes I think it a that makes total story. sense. Yeah, it makes it a very different story, but the, the the idea that Gene is just sort of also in this town and knows Georgie and, like, sees Georgie walking into town at the beginning and their their first number... The, the first number of this starts with just Georgie talking about his life and singing about it as he wanders into this town in, 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 in the opening track, which is just called Shoes. Because um, it's based on that opening shot of his shoes as he's walking towards the town. Which is kind of great. Yeah, like, that's that's what I'm thinking, is, like, I, I, I don't love this musical. I don't really like it. But I think that stuff's really genuine and cool. Like, it's clear that this came from an interesting place. Even if it makes weird decisions, like bringing Gene in where he wouldn't be. I, I don't even know if I'd say I don't like it. I just don't love it. I kind of do like it a little bit. You know, I don't hate it. I'll tell you. Yeah. Like, like, I... Then again, I... No one ever. This isn't a musical anyone ever does. Probably because like there, there's no chorus or there's a minimal chorus, and like, yeah, we're definitely gonna put this on in like a high school where you know yeah. mo- the bulk of the second act is a long dance fight scene, a la West Side Story. But not nearly as well directed, unfortunately. No, of course not. It's a valiant effort. I will say that. And they've obviously put some care into the music and they sure. thought about it. And uh, it wasn't, it's not like a soulish cash grab like some, you know, created musicals are. L- like a lot of like uh, stage adaptations of Disney musicals is what I immediately think of. Yeah, though some of those like do have a lot of creativity put into them. like Yeah, uh, I, I should shut the fuck up because I've never actually seen any of those. Well, no, some of them are definitely kind of, you know, very obviously kind of capitalizing on a movie's popularity, but something like The Lion King with a juice of puppets. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking of that. I realized I was full of shit because The Lion King rules. Yeah, uh, you know what I, I... What my thought was for, like, this kind of musical going very wrong is the Spider-Man musical. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that from the moment we started this episode, not gonna lie. Oh, uh, which was just kind of a disaster from the first time Penn went to paper. If you ever really want to go down the weirdest rabbit hole ever, look up the production history of that musical and uh. what it was what it was supposed to be before they changed it to be more normal. 
Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is the name of that musical. Yeah. Can, can I tell you a fun fact about that musical? Which th- This is true. My mom is a professional musician. She's a professional pianist. She went to music school. She uh, worked with a bunch of like vaudeville theater troops in the 80s. She knows a lot of people who have gone on to do some stuff in theater and in music. She knows the director of that musical. They used to be friends. Really? <laughs> Back in like the 80s and 70s, yeah. Do you know what the so do you know what the original ending of that musical was? Probably didn't involve the stage getting set on fire. No, no, because originally uh, one of the conflicts of this musical was supposed to be Peter Parker being torn between the human Mary Jane and this like spider goddess from <laughs> the beginning of time. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm. I'm dead serious, and it was supposed to be this, like, that was was supposed to be the main conflict, was him, like, trying not to lose his humanity to this primeval spider goddess, and the last, the end of it was supposed to be this, like, kind of ambiguous ending, like, oh, does he let Mary Jane die and join the spider goddess, or does he reject the spider goddess and embrace his humanity? Which, at the very least, sounds batshit wild in a really fun way, but they kind of just made it boring, except for all of the death. (laughs) That's hilarious. Real-life real death. Like, two yeah. stuntmen died. It was not a good time. No. Fuck, that is so funny. Yeah, I that, that plot seems very much like the kind of plot that someone would come up with if they were staring at an IP like Spider-Man and trying to figure out how to make it a musical and just, like, racking their brain trying to figure <laughs> out what works. Like, okay, uh, romance is obviously the heart. You've got Mary Jane. He loves her. That's a big part of things. We have to make this about that because it's it's a stage musical. That has to be a big part of it. F- uh, he's torn between her and a spider goddess. Yeah, that'll, that'll sell tickets. Spider goddess. Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> God. But, but th- this, this isn't that. No. It's, you know... It's a much smaller show than you'd think it is. Like, this well, yeah, because it wasn't Broadway originally. It yeah. was originally a much smaller production. And then, like, I I do not know a lot about how Broadway works, but one way or another, it got picked up or something. Picked and up and became yep. a Broadway thing. Yeah, it, had, it didn't have that long of a run, right? It was only on. It was only there for like a couple months. Yeah, I want to say like a month and a half, even. And, uh, because I don't think that many people went. No, I, I, well, you know, it's also, like, one of those things where whether or not it was a soulish cash grab for anyone, if it's 1995, uh, the year I was born, and you are looking at that musical, you're gonna be like, okay, this series ended nine years ago. Yeah. What is this? (laughs) Like, what is this if not a cash grab? Yeah. But you know it can still be good. Like that, like, like I just said, that SpongeBob musical came out last year. Apparently, is a very good musical, but came out you know twenty years after that show was a thing we all watched as kids. I wasn't allowed to watch that show. I told totally her, yeah, I, I was. Uh, my mom thought it was mean and would make me dumb, so I wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, was, it definitely made me dumb. I, um, I, I was allowed to watch. Cold case and any uh, any crime show that happened to be on and uh, any kind of like bloody war movie anyone was watching, but I wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob. I was allowed to watch the Marmoset Chronicles, but I wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. Man, we we are we are we are revealing a lot about our moms on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> we um, more like the Marmoset Chronicles. Go to jail. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. I'm going to jail. I'm going to, going to jail now. Goodbye. I locked myself up. I wonder if he actually walked away from... Up. Oh. Oh. I can hear All right. I, I need back. to stop doing... I need to stop doing gags where the gag is I walk away from the mic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> anyway. Um, we, we've hit on some interesting stuff with it already here because, like, you know, the, the, the fact is... <laughs> I, I, I wonder a lot about... I don't know what it's like to adapt something. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, here, here's, this is a general writing question that I was actually thinking about earlier today in a whole different context, but I'll ask you. I have, as you, you and I both write fiction, we both yeah. are people who love to do that. Have you ever thought very seriously about adaptation? About, about if you were to take an existing story and adapt it in a different medium or with a different spin on it, is that a thing that you as an author think about that much? Uh, sometimes, yes. Uh, sometimes I think about how, um, like, if it's possible to translate some, uh, something in written prose onto, sc- onto screen, mm-hmm. if, you know, kind of the integral heart and soul of the story is the prose itself. Um, mm-hmm. I think a good example of that, are you familiar with, uh, Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch? Uh, I've heard of it, yeah. So- I've not experienced it myself. I've, I, I, I read The Goldfinch. I've read The Goldfinch twice. Um, it is an absolutely beautifully written- story where not a lot happens outside of like some emotional movement of the character. The character arcs themselves don't come to a super satisfying conclusion, um, but what makes the book so wonderful is the way Donna Tartt describes the places these characters go. Mm-hmm. And like there's one point where um the the main character and his friend are in this like are in this suburb of Vegas, and she describes this, like, Vegas suburb as if it's somewhere between, like, an alien landscape and hell. And it's great, and it's wonderful. But they made a movie of it, and the movie is bad. Because when you take away the prose, it's just kind of this kind of cliche, Dickensian, almost fairy tale that doesn't work very well. So I was thinking, right. if if you're not crafting visuals in a way that that live up to how that prose represented those visuals, yes. And if you don't, and if you realize that, like when maybe when putting this story on screen, you need to change some story beats so it doesn't. Because you don't have that prose to justify it. Right. Yeah. So I've thought about stuff like that. Yeah, I've th- uh, um, mostly in that context, um, I, I, I have thought about, like, taking something that exists in one medium and putting it into another myself a couple times. Is that something you've thought mm. about? Uh, honestly, no. And I only came to the realization that it's actually, it's, I don't know about weird, it's, it's surprising that I never have. I came to that realization literally today. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I watched The Wind Rises last night, which was okay. Hayao Miyazaki's last movie until the one he's making now. <laughs> and, and, and I was reading about that today. I was reading a thing where I, I didn't know it's actually based on a manga that he wrote about a decade ago. Oh, okay. Um, and some of his earliest stuff was adaptation. His first movie was a Lupin the Third movie. Lupin the Third being this old, mm-hmm. uh, you know, character in, in Japanese culture. And so it's like, oh, it's interesting. He's done a bunch of original work in the middle, but kind of bookended it with adaptations of other things. And I was mm-hmm. just thinking about uh, just some other adaptations I like. Um, Casey Green, who is a webcomic artist a lot of people will know as having done... Uh, Gun Show, which was a really popular webcomic for a long time. He went from that, which was a bullshit comedy webcomic. That's the comic the This Is Fine Dog is from. Oh, okay. Um, he, he went from doing that to doing a full 
uh, I think, still running comic adaptation of the original Pinocchio story. Interesting. Okay. And, and so, like, sometimes interesting adaptations come up in spaces you do not expect at all. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I was realizing, like, oh, huh, that is a thing I have personally never really thought about doing. Maybe it's because so much of what I do is just writing. And mm-hmm. so the idea of doing that just onto paper as opposed to into a movie or into a musical seems weirder to me. I, I don't know if that's really fair, but it does. Yeah. But, but but the reason I bring that up is just that, like, this is a heck of a thing to want to adapt, and I feel like a musical is a heck of a specific thing to want to adapt it into. Like, I think that if you want to adapt the Marmoset Chronicles into a musical, you have a very specific vision of mm-hmm. why you think that needs to happen. Yes. Because it's a, you do not look at those movies and see as they lend, as they, like, those do not leap off the screen and, like, help you imagine them in musical form. This is not an iteration easily devised, is and, what I'm saying, I And guess. I can't think of that many movies that were then turned into musicals. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I know there have got to be a few, Well, I can't I either. mean, we mentioned one already. We mentioned Shrek. Yeah, uh, great. Wh- Shrek is a movie. Uh, there, There's also Waitress. That's a recent one. I haven't even heard of that. It's a good movie. It's I have not done... Do, um, dove that far into the musical. Uh, the movie is super worth watching. Uh, very, very, oh. ta- very talented director died way too soon. Uh, fucking Legally Blonde got a musical. Oh, Legally Blonde is a pretty good musical too. I like that movie. Um, Fair enough. But there's not that many of them. There are, you know, lots of musicals that are adaptations of things. Les Mis, yeah. it, it being, I think the one that pops into my mind right away. It's also because Les Mis is one of the musicals I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's just kind of a weird transition to make, I suppose. Uh, the, and there's also, the, the movies that we just mentioned aren't really, you know, action set piece movies. No, not at all. You know, you don't see anyone uh, other than, other than Spider-Man, but, uh, that, that didn't turn out so well. Um. I, I've, I've got two I'm looking at on this Wikipedia list that are surprising me real quick. Okay, go. And it's two, two different Tim Burton ones. There is a Beetlejuice musical. Oh, that's on Broadway right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot uh, that. I forgot about that, I too. I forgot about that. The other one is, uh, there is a Big Fish musical. What? D- d- have you seen Big Fish? No. Big Fish is a uh, smaller, but I think pretty good Tim Burton movie. Kind of a middle of his career one about a guy unraveling the wild stories of his dad after he's passed away and just kind of like hopping between his perspective and the wild stories mm-hmm. and like the actual reality. And it, it's a fun time. It's, I think it's a very good movie. But uh, apparently that got a musical. Well, you know, I guess, yeah, you take like a hyper stylized movie and you make it into a musical. I think that that could. I, I guess that's where the Marmoset Chronicles do lend itself to it because they are so hyper stylized and they're able to, you know, do fun things. I really do like that Jessica song. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really nice. Uh, and you know, they do some interesting things with like, oh, the fight scenes are like they do the like we're fight dance singing and we're like passing over like lines from each other so you can like hear lines echoed in in both Georgie and Paul's uh delivery and that's pretty cool yeah Um, it's it's that it's uh the way when there are background characters for parts of that fight they'll like they have parts where they are dancing like the rooftop ballerinas from mm-hmm. the second movie, which I think is dope. Like, there are fun little Easter eggs from the other movies in yeah. there, too. 
in the couple moments where, where whenever Georgie is reflecting on family stuff, there is this like aquamarine blue tint cast on him. Same with uh, yeah, same with Jessica. Yeah, and, it's it's great. And they like recycle the uh, the, that that like four note violin thing that they do mm-hmm. um, with uh, his mother, his mom's character in the uh, in diagnosis. Where yeah, s- side side note. Side note, ha, note. Uh, that 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 soundtrack is so good with the, those like just lush strings. It's great. Yeah, and you know they couldn't use too much of that because of copyright, but they tried to kind of emulate best they could. Mm-hmm. I, I I think I think it's they do the best they can with that. They mm-hmm. do some maybe they lean a little too hard into how close can we write the music to make it sound like the music we couldn't use because of copyright. Like oh, I, wait. I think that's a wait 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 wait, wait 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 uh, what's up? I need to I need to interrupt you really fast. Hold okay. on, I need to check what's something. Up? I'm getting like a torrent of text messages that. Holy fuck! Is this true? Oh yeah, I I am getting some oh, as well. Oh my god, Jay. Yep. Jay, Las Patillo made a Twitter. Yeah, I uh, I see that. Las Patillo made a... Oh my god, wait. Let me Is look this... at Las Patillo's Twitter. This Patillo... can't be real. Oh my god, no. I mean, it's not like verified, but that's definitely him. This Is this real? What the fuck? Um... Well, I'm gonna follow Las Patillo real quick. Oh my god, yeah. Las Patillo's on Twitter. The f- I guess I'm also gonna follow Jay. Do you see his? Do you see his bio? <laughs> <laughs> I directed movies. And his his first and so far only real? tweet is: "This is going to be a news Th- story." Isn't this could it? so oh easily be a shit post. This could so easily be. But like, can, mm, someone must have. Mm, is this him? What the fuck? Hold on. Okay, okay, um, do, do we need like, to, I mean, like, there's, like, news, there are news stories coming out about it. Yep, I, I was gonna say, like, some, some joker on Twitter must have taken the handle Laz Patillo at some point, but this account was just made, this, this is, this is a baby, this is new, so that, so, like, I guess you can, you can show Twitter, hey, I'm legally this person, give me this handle. Or Especially you could, if you're Laz Patillo, I you, guess. Or you could get in touch with that person and be like, I'll give you $1,000 if you give me this handle. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, that does also seem like the move for Laz Patillo. Alright, yep, I guess we follow Laz now on Twitter. What the fuck, Kirsten? Laz Patillo- I can't believe Laz Patillo has a Twitter! I can't believe Laz Patillo has a Twitter right now while we're mid-recording. Holy I, for one, shit. feel personally blessed. God, Kirsten, this... Oh, my God, what if... All right. I... Mm, I'm sorry. I, I know we should get back to talking about the musical, but now I'm just thinking about, like, what? why does he have a Twitter right now, Kirsten? Is this... Is he about to announce something? Is he <gasps> Is he about to return from the uh, Latvian wilderness at long last? What, what is this? <laughs> maybe he got so bored in quarantine that, like, he turned to Twitter because he has nowhere else to go. He's like, oh, this place seems fine. I'm, this place seems safe. I'm, I'm retweeting it. Oh my god, yeah, I guess I am too. I'm, what the fuck is happening? I'm retweeting it with a string of exclamation points. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh Jesus, this is this is incredible. Okay. Uh. Anyway. Uh. 
watch. It's gonna be a hoax, and we're we're both gonna. We're, this is gonna age. Probably. We're, this is gonna age terribly, and we're both gonna feel dumb. But um, oh my god, Laz Batillo is on Twitter. I I feel like oh my god, I'm so happy about this. Oh Jesus, with this power, we can keep this show going forever. <laughs> no, not really. But fuck. it's just gonna become us us doing dramatic readings of Laz Patillo's Twitter feed. I say oh. as if as if I think Laz Patillo is going to actively use Twitter. He's gonna like tweet three times. He'll be like, he'll like tweet one backstage fact about the set of one of the movies, and then he'll like tweet made a burger for lunch, and then he'll never use tweet Twitter again. Pretty much. That's that's my that's my uh that's what my guess is gonna be. Yeah. All right. Anyway. That, so, so, okay, yeah, musicals. Um, yeah, fucking musicals. I don't know, man, the set design's alright, it's kind of underwhelming. I mean, yeah. I just, like, musical theater is just, like, a complicated, like, subject for me personally, because it was something I was so into for so long, and then yeah. I fell off of it so quickly, partially because, like... You know, I just kind of moved on to things I like better. I, I do mm. not regret my decision to not be a musical theater major. I'm very happy with what I do, and I don't think I'd be very happy if I was doing musical theater. But it's also like, for, I've done a lot of shows, and it just, there's just so many exhausting people you run into while doing musical theater. Yeah, that was very much my experience, too. Um, One of the kids I was in Footloose with, who played the main character in Footloose, uh, is now a waiter at a restaurant I used to go to a lot near my last uh. apartment. So he and I he and I are buddies. I went and saw him uh, and his band play at a dive bar one night. It, it, it was funny. Nice! That has nothing to do with this, sorry. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I, I think one thing that's interesting is, you know, as we've deliberated upon very much, the, the Phantom and the Wren is like, Exactly the length the mo- the movie is. Exactly the length it needs to be. Yes. And and you know spends the right amount of time deliberating on all of its scenes. It's very well paced. The musical is does not. do a little bit of like it looks at those and kind of thinks fuck what things can we stretch out and then what things can we add in the margins around those yes. things from the movie. So you have like. A lot of that in the first act where there's the whole chunk where it's just Georgie and uh, Jean and and Jessica uh, just like gathering and like playing poker and they just like have a song about poker. Oh, <laughs> and it's a good song yeah. about poker. Like, you know, it, it, it's it, it like kind of dramatizes it and they make it into like a dance fight over who's going to win on stage. And then that fight bits of it get reflected in the fight between Georgie and Paul in the second act of the show, and I yeah. really like that. Like, the thing is, I, I think at the end of the day, they do an alright job with, at least in that first half, the ways in which they stretch it out for musical length, fitting more or less fairly well with yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, you know, I also wouldn't be surprised, I, I do think the, the length, the length works, the pacing's a little weird. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I just choked, I'm sorry. Um, oh, you're good. I wouldn't be surprised if the person who wrote the bulk of this uh, was either a stage combat expert or someone who's really into it on like an amateur level because so much of this is stage combat and dance combat, which is an interesting way to take this. There, There's also, you know, so, so much skill that goes into stage combat and yeah. different... It's hard to do. It's hard to find people who do it well. It's hard to find people who do it safely. Oh, you want to hear uh, a uh, an an example of me being in a uh, a stage combat situation that was not handled safely? 
Yes, absolutely. So, uh, I was in a production of Hamlet. Uh, not Hamlet, Macbeth. Okay, uh, one of them. No, it was Macbeth. I don't know why I okay. said Hamlet. I've never been in Hamlet. I was in a production of Macbeth. And I was one of the witches. Uh, and the, the, this was like a community uh, the- Shakespeare theater thing done through the local community college by me. And I was in high school. And mm-hmm. uh, they, the, what they did is they would do this Shakespeare festival and they would theme all of the plays to be like Shakespeare, but it's this. So, oh, uh, what, so one year it was Much Ado About Nothing, but it's set during the Vietnam War. Oh, huh, uh, okay. Oh, and uh, one time they did, like, uh... Romeo plus Juliet. Well, they did, like, steampunk Hamlet, I think, one year. Uh, but, but they were Sorry, doing... I'm sure that was well-produced. That is just the funniest phrase I've um, heard all day. Well, I might, I might be about to tell you a better one, because uh, we were doing, like, Dark Circus Macbeth. Oh! Oh, that's the new, uh, that's the new American Horror Story season, right? Well, that was when it was. Co- that's when we did it. When it, when the the creepy circus one was uh, American Horror Story was happening. I think that's where they got the Fuck. idea from. God. Uh, and uh, they. So I was I was one of the witches, but they made me like this like fucked up cat hybrid because I was like okay. part of the freak show. Um, sure. And they made Macduff uh, a lion tamer, and so he had a bullwhip. All right. Oh um, no. And oh no. We did this the, the, if whatever you think it whatever you're thinking it's probably it's different than what you're thinking of what happened. So we were doing okay. this we were doing this fight because because the witches kill Macduff. Yeah. And we had this whole thing choreographed and um uh the um the guy playing Macduff was supposed to fake choke me out with this whip. Except mm-hmm. we fucked up the choreography and I ended up actually getting choked out with this whip. <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> we then, you know, changed it. So I just like flipped over his shoulder, which is actually way less dangerous than ever having anything around your throat. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a, a fun, a fun theater experience. Stage, stage combat's really hard. Yeah, I, the, the, the one I mentioned earlier with the mic box malfunction was one of those for me. Um... When I was in that Alice in Wonderland musical, I was the White Knight. There, there was there was a White Knight and a Red Knight who had to duel because they both were. One of them was supposed to uh, take Alice and bring her to the Red Queen. I think I don't fuck it. Who cares? Um, <laughs> but this this musical had no plot. Um, but we we were the knights and we were supposed to do this duel and it was a fun little fight. It was like well choreographed. Um, I specifically. So like Alice is being like accosted by the Red Knight, and then I sort of leap on stage with my sword dra- uh, drawn to like be like ha to uh, you know how at ye. Um, but as I did that, on I think it was the first night of the show, my mic box hadn't been clipped into my costume right, so it just deploys and starts just swinging around my legs by the cable, <laughs> and I just spend the whole fight trying to cut like being like oh yeah, oh, I came no. with the costume. They, they gave they gave me they gave me the uniform when I joined the knights and it just sort of came with this. I never really questioned it. <laughs> That's fun. That was and that was how thirteen year old Jay learned to improv, a skill I never used again. Nope, never. Never. God, what a yeah. I've never I've never heard of anyone doing this show. Not you know. Yeah. Oh well, you know, you know. So I was gonna ask you, did you just see like a recording of it? Where have you have you seen a version of it in full anywhere? I have not. I've read the script and I've listened to the uh, official soundtrack. I've never seen okay. it performed. Have you seen it performed? So I, I did. Um, it was <laughs> by luck. I uh, so when I was fourteen, I got to see Wicked at Proctor's okay. uh, in Albany, 
And it was, you know, it was a, it was a good performance of Wicked. It was with Idina Menzel's understudy and uh, Kristen Chenoweth's understudies. It was really good. But so when you went in, there was like a drawing and like you, you could like put in five bucks to get a chance to win tickets to like a much smaller musical that this uh, local troupe was putting on, whatever it was that year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the this this area theater troupe in Albany happened to be doing the Marmoset Chronicles for whatever reason. So I saw a very small-scale production of it in... Uh, Proctor's has, like, little side theaters in addition to its main theater. Mm-hmm. And it was in one of those little side theaters, like, a, a few months later. I took the ticket. I won the ticket. I, I won uh, a ticket to see it. There were, like, ten winners. And I uh, went, and, went and saw it. And you know what? It was, like, fine. I don't know. It was, it was right around when I w- This would have been a couple years after I'd gotten into the movies. So it was... You know, it, it it was still fresh, but it was yeah. it was kind of fun. It, it was entertaining enough. The people seemed to care. It was all, like, actors and a director who clearly gave a shit yeah. just as much as the people who wrote it did. So, you know. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of all you can ask for sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. I like mo- some of the music. Uh, I, I think I'd like to see it staged if I ever have a chance. I doubt this thing is ever going back to Broadway, unless it does, I suppose it could. That'd be wild. And, like I said, I've never actually seen anyone perform this, and... Uh, sorry, what? What's up? Hold oh. on. Uh, Kirsten? Are you looking at, uh, your Twitter by any chance? Did Laz Patillo just follow me on Twitter? Did Laz Patillo just follow both of us on Twitter? <laughs> hold on. Um. Hold on. Uh, hey, uh, uh, okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, it's fine. We're gonna keep talking. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I. Okay, um, I, I don't know what else. Like, fuck. Okay, sorry that. Oh, okay, okay. We'll uh, talk about. I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means, Kirsten. Just, I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, we still don't even know if it's actually him. Uh, yeah, it probably isn't. It's probably, it's probably a fan. It's probably a listener. It's, it's. Yeah. It could be anyone. Who's to say? <laughs> Definitely all in it. Okay. All right. Jay, we're just, uh, we're just gonna move past that, okay? I, yeah, I guess let's get back to it off the air and try to figure out what's going on and just do the show. Um, anyway. Yeah. So like. Okay, you know, here's here's kind of a weird parallel. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to get our obligatory Star Wars reference out of the way? I would love that. So, are you familiar with uh, William Shakespeare's Star Wars? Yes, I am, yeah. Uh, interesting thing about all of those, most of them are fantastic. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I, I've seen bits of that stuff, yeah. Even more interesting, the worst Star Wars movies make the best Shakespeare adaptations. <laughs> oh, that does not surprise me in the slightest. Look at how, like, Shakespearean and dramatic... The, like, those are dramatic... You know, the originals are kind of Shakespearean, too. But those the, the prequels are a level of stage-like drama way no. goofier than the originals, oh, I think. Oh, no. So the, the 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 second prequel movie, it, mm. it, the Shakespeare version is called uh, the clone the clone army attacketh, <laughs> is genuinely really good because all of that like melodramatic bullshit that nobody that everybody is kind of like why did you write it like this in in the prequels makes total right. sense as Shakespearean monologues and soliloquies, <laughs> God. like genuinely it it's it's 
but th- those are actually kind of worth checking out if you're kind of a Shakespeare nerd. Because uh, there's a lot of, like, weird Shakespearean in-jokes about how Shakespeare works. And if, if you're trying to, like, in Shakespeare, I- in Shakespearean verse, if you're trying to suggest that someone is a little bit weak-willed um, and easily, like, crushed... Like, like mm. easily influenced, instead of having mm. ten syllables, their lines will have, uh, nine. Huh. Uh, and every time one of the senators speak in the Senate, it's nine syllables. Like... That's beautiful. Uh, there's... It's also whenever somebody, uh, whenever someone is a... It, whenever, like, a fool talks, and, like, you're trying to convey that this character is a fucking moron, they have eleven l- syllables in a line, and that's how Jar Jar talks. Like... It's a lot of stuff like that. It, 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 there's a lot of fun stuff. It's it's worth uh, taking a look at, and I'd lo- I'd love to see them staged one day. Not that that'll ever happen. I was just about to say, what would Star Wars on the stage look like? Um, I'm sure you could make that cool. I I, I guarantee people have tried many times. I'm sure probably. you could make that cool. Uh, yeah. however, I don't want them to do it now because that would mean giving Disney more money, and Disney's evil. It- yeah, feeding that thing. Even never, more. never forget, dear listeners. Disney is evil, and you should go out of your way to not give them money. Yep. Uh, and uh, that's that's my soapbox for the episode. Uh, also, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, directed by Ryan Johnson, is the only good new Star Wars. I haven't seen that movie, and therefore cannot comment. Please, uh, Kirsten, one hundred percent agree pl- with me. Please, at Jay, don't Kirsten, ask me about that particular I'm, opinion. I'm right, and Kirsten says I'm right. Kirsten could not agree uh, with me more. We, I didn't want to talk about Star Wars this much. I just wanted to bring up the the, fu- <laughs> the funny Shakespeare thing because be, you you can't control it once you let it out. Because genie's out of the bottle now. It would be fun to. Ooh, maybe maybe that that could be a fun project is trying to trying to redo the Marmoset Chronicles as Shakespeare. That might be yeah. that might be a fun. A f- I mean, you could you would definitely make that work. Like I feel like the visual language alone and honestly a lot of like the way characters are conducted in those movies are kind of Shakespearean in a way. Like yeah. everyone everyone you know, here's a thought about the Marmoset Chronicles. Everyone in, in that series of movies, increasingly as they go on, is an archetype for a kind of character that we didn't really know deserved an archetype at the time. By which I mean, like, oh. an, archetype, an archetype for Laz that once we saw it went, oh, this is definitely an archetype for this guy. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 think, I think that's very true of at least a few characters in these movies. That's very interesting, and I like it a lot. Yeah. Huh. I, I don't really have more to say about that. I just, I was like, huh. I don't know. It's interesting to find new ways to, to look at those characters, which the musical does too, coming back yeah. to it. I, I guess, like, I don't know. How, the musical ends, it's the ending from the uh, the, the movie. There's a nice repri- reprise of Shoes. Uh, and, but, the one I, difference be And it's, it's a much more solemn kind of... Uh, yeah. Almost, uh, I always thought that song sounded very anxious. This very kind of anxious song about, like, you know, moving on instead of moving forward, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the one difference being that he, like, buries his sister at the edge of town. Yeah. It's a nice little... Well, so, so he does that at the beginning of the first act, uh, or at the end of the first act. No, beginning of the second act, I guess. Um, and then at the end, you see that, like, at the opposite edge of the the, the town is... A grave for Paul, which is interesting, and they don't mm-hmm. show Georgie putting it there. No, it's it could just, just be. There. Me, it, it, 
Yeah, it could be the town put it there. It could be Gene put it there. Whoever. It's the but horror. But it's just there. Yeah, yeah, might as well be. Fuck. <laughs> you know, that that's that's actually a question. If they were to convert another one of these movies into a musical, what one do you think would fit the bill? Diagnosis I, Aquamarine. Yes, okay, could we agree? <laughs> I don't know why they didn't do Diagnosis Aquamarine. I don't know if they thought they were going to do eight musicals, because that's just dumb. Y- you know what? I think... Actually, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but would actually work is the Shadow Kit. I I actually think huh. because think about the Shadow Kit. It is Georgie building this kind of relationship with this other character uh-huh. while going on vignettes about the road that's brought him there and mm-hmm. about these three the, you know the three movies before that. You could turn those flashbacks into just chunks of the movie. You could even have um have you ever seen the movie Millennium Actress? I haven't. Okay. Uh it is an animated film by Satoshi Kon that is about uh, a documentarian and his filmmaker sitting down with an aging actress who's had like this crazy career and documenting her life story but how that's represented in that movie uh-huh. is her like guiding them literally and physically into the world of oh now they're on a set for this movie where she's a character who goes to space but like gravity actually drops and you know it's actually going through it and it, it, it's it's them following her through a more literal path through the stories she was in than even she had, really, because they were movies. I could see a musical based on the Shadow Kit being directed like that, where it's just Georgie and this woman going through these visions from different parts of his life from these mm-hmm. movies up till now. Okay. I, I think you could really do something interesting with that. Yeah, I think that could be really fun now that you're kind of pitching it to me. I, I wasn't convinced, but now you're pitching it to me. G- maybe give it more of a climax of some kind, but other than that, kind I, of I think you could let the music really carry it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, thank you. Uh, now I just need uh, some startup money to, uh, to get this thing funded and. <laughs> We'll have this thing on Broadway by 2023, let me tell you what. So your mom's gonna write all the music, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, my mom and my dad, it'll be all, it'll be all piano and banjo. I forgot your dad played the fucking banjo. My dad builds banjos, motherfucker. He doesn't just play them, he's taking it to the next level, because he's a master. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Okay, uh... Um, hey, Kirsten, I... Hold on a minute. I'm sorry. Hold on. What's wrong? Uh, what is it? Like your roommate's cat again? Uh, no, it's... It's something else. I'm gonna... I'm gonna screenshot this and send it to you, and you tell uh, me if, if I'm dreaming. Okay, what... Okay, I, I've, I've... Someone sent it, like, on... Uh, like Kirsten... Porn or something? No, I, I've sent you a screenshot. Uh, hold on, let me pull it Kirsten. up. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> what I'm looking at... What? <laughs> what I'm looking at is a <sighs> DM from the Laz Patillo Twitter account asking me for my mailing address. Is uh, that what you see as well? Uh, yeah? What? I'd like you to check your own Twitter account and let me know if he has similarly contacted you because the earth is uh, melting. <laughs> Uh, hey, Jay, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, no, you're right. We got, we gotta fucking go. Uh, 
fuck. Okay, Twitter dot f- Twitter at extreme salsing. Uh, Letterboxd extreme salsing. Um, YouTube. Hi, I'm Jay. I guess I should really synergize that brand one of these days. But now doesn't really seem like the time. Kirsten, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Kirsten M. Writes, where apparently some other people have already found me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Kirsten Man Writes. Uh, and um, those two places have very different content, but just say hi on either. We love you. Uh, come through our Discord. Uh, Jay? I, I... Uh, I guess. Um, Kirsten, do we give last Patillo our email, our mail address? Uh, guys, we'll talk, to, we'll talk to you all next week. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, thank you to the Orange Groves. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your ch- each other. Take care of your community and communities that need you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. We will talk to you next week. I don't know what we will say. Bye, guys. Fuck. Fuck.